L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. What's up? This is your boy, Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From UFOs to ghosts and government cover-ups, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. And I am Ben. Uh, and most importantly, you're here, listeners. That makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, thanks so much. This is our last show of the year, you guys. The next time we come back, it will be 2016, provided, you know, the various apocalyptic cults around the world are not correct this year and uh, that, you know, the world doesn't end. Yeah, December 21st has already passed us, and a lot of times that's one of the dates that's used as, this is when it's going to end. So, hey, we've made it so far. Phew. Go team. Uh, so we also have uh, we have something a little bit different uh, for you today. Today, instead of looking at a specific topic or a listener request, uh, the three of us are uh, going to help you out for, um, you know, many of you probably celebrate Christmas. Many of you might just get together at your family's house at the end of the year. And you have that awkward moment where your relatives that you see what, once a year, once every two years, and really have nothing in common with other than uh, the lottery of your genes, you get together with them and you have to talk with like Uncle Mike or Aunt Cynthia about something. Maybe you are Uncle Mike. I just want yeah. to say it in Ooh, this, in this situation. Call, yeah, perhaps you, if you look around and there's not an Uncle Mike, it's, it's you. It's you. 
Okay. Are, are you an Uncle Matt? Do you have any siblings or kids? I am an Uncle Matt, yeah. Uncle Matt. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I like it. I look forward to being the weird, creepy uncle at our gatherings from here to the future. And so, Matt, uh, this, this, uh, approach to a show was your, was your idea. Do you want to tell them a little bit about it? Uh, sure. Yeah. The, I guess it was my idea. It was, I was showering and thoughts happened. Which, you know, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Were you, were you doing the cream rinse or were you, uh, uh I was literally in, standing in the shampoo phase. Just imagine me, uh, not awake, maybe 10% awake, okay. uh, shower, just going directly over my head and just going, Oh man, I wonder what I'm going to talk with my family about. Cause I've gotten over Christmas because I've gotten into a couple discussions recently with my dad where, uh, it, you know, it, it's not heated in any way. It's just, I really want to understand where he's coming from. And, you know, my own beliefs sometimes start to fight up against that. So I want to find a way that we can find common ground, some subjects that we can talk about that maybe won't get into any fights, but it'll make everybody think and hopefully generate some cool conversation. I think that is a very forward thinking, solid tactic going in to the battleground that can be family holiday experiences. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't, I think it's, uh, I love you, man. I do think the world of you, I also think that's incredibly idealistic that people will reach a common ground. Maybe it will happen. Maybe there will be an end of the year miracle, but it's still, it's still a fantastic <laughs> idea and well-intentioned to give you the, the audience. If you're looking for stuff to talk to your family about at the end of the year, then this will hopefully give you, uh, give you some, I guess, olive branches or some ammunition, depending on how it goes down. Some food for thought, perhaps. Mm-hmm. 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 Do you guys want me to go ahead and get started? With well, you know what? I think you should, I think you should yeah, kick it do. off. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, <laughs> this is kind of starting at dark, which isn't my intention, but this is something that you can bring up that I don't think there is a side you can take that would make you like a combatant when you're discussing this topic. So the, it's the highway of tears. It's something we covered this year and it's a subject where the, the bad person or the one side are literally murderers and rapists. Well, it definitely it's a kind of an equalizer really, you know, at mm-hmm. least we, we can all admit hopefully that everyone at this table here, not murderers. <laughs> well, yes. One but, would hope. But it's it's one of those things that a lot, at least I, it was a brand new subject for me when it came up. I think, Ben, you had talked about it briefly maybe on car stuff or it had been mentioned to you or something to that effect. So we got on Scott Benjamin, uh, who was your co-host and on car stuff, and we discussed this topic uh, about a highway in British Columbia where since 1969 – uh, women and girls have gone missing or were murdered. I think there's 18 officially, we said, but then there are many more that are probably on there. You've probably heard the episode. If you have not, I would recommend checking it out, watching our video, then getting some of that information because it's it's a fascinating subject and there are things actually happening to perhaps help the situation up there. Uh, in the news, I saw a piece just a quick thing about the First Nation groups getting together and coming up with... Just a refresher, there, there is something sort of specific about this area that made it conducive to these victims being sort of easy targets. Yes, exactly. I, I don't want to rehash the whole episode, right, right. but but it's it, you should know that 
Hitchhiking is a big thing there because a lot of the area, people are just, they don't have money to have a car and to get around places, but they also have to travel very long distances to get to where they work or to where they go to school. So what what's happening now, the British government is working to commit $3 million to improve the public transit along this highway where yes. a lot of this stuff happens or these highways. Uh, there's a, it's a story from the CBC and let's see, they're going to get 1.6 million over two years to enhance the transit services. But this is interesting in the, in the article, it says with a, in a cost shared basis with local communities. So I don't know exactly what that entails and I couldn't get more details. Right. It could mean a couple things. Maybe some sort of public option or yeah, some sort of public option to pay in tax, uh, Specifically, this is uh, Yellowhead Highway 16 between Prince Rupert and Prince George. Uh, it's a pretty rural area. Uh, Matt, as you said, uh, this is an episode that is a great equalizer. We we know this because earlier I had asked or we had asked uh, folks on the Internet, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we asked you some of your favorite episodes of 2015, and that was one of the ones that kept coming up. It involves everything. There's corruption in the government, uh, which now has some damage control applied. The problem, I would say, with this shared investment area of or the shared investment aspect is that in very impoverished rural communities, there's not as much of a tax base to draw on. So this, what was the number again, Matt? Thirty million? Uh, three, literally, just three million. Just three million. And this is to improve everything from infrastructure of the roads themselves to, you know, the creating places where I think they call them transient. What do they call them? Trans transit shelters. So okay. places where people would feel safe, and then putting webcams in there, like security the cameras, lit bus stops. Yeah, exactly. Essentially. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's better than nothing. But one thing we received a lot of mail about, uh, we had a lot of Canadians writing mm-hmm. in. And Canadians, uh, sometimes who weren't even aware of the situation, who lived on the other side, perhaps, of Canada, which was really weird to me. It seems like it would be something that was more well known, but I'm glad that we were able to discuss it and put it out there. And I think, again, it's a dark topic, but it's one of those things that, can really give some food for thought about how we treat uh, spe- specifically native peoples, because this could go into all kinds of other conversations, which may be a little more harsh, harsh in the vibe. But, you know, again, it's cool. I, I like the idea that you could talk about these things with your family. I hope that you can. Do you guys mind if I do one? Please. Oh, please do. Um, so this is of my three. This is probably the most neutral. I would say um, it's definitely dark, but uh, I think it's definitely something that could be brought up and, and shared. And it's something that uh, people could bring their own personal experiences with, as we experienced when we received an insane amount of mail about sleep paralysis oh. and uh, shadow people. And I mean, you know, I haven't been you know on the show properly for a very long, but in the amount of time I've been on, that's definitely been the hot button, you know, uh, listener mail response that we've gotten for sure. And um so that particular topic really resonated with me just because it's you're in such a vulnerable place when you're asleep and you're 
um, your mind is able to kind of run wild. You can take the uh, anxieties of your day, of your week, of your life, and they are sort of translated into different scenarios, dreams that can be, you know, very clear, can be very abstract. There's all kinds of different ways that you can perceive these things. But when you start bringing into the equation this idea of like an alien other, like coming into your, you know, sanctity of your sleep, of your like, you know, resting place, then it really starts to make you think, where is that coming from? Is it coming from outside of you? Is it coming from within you? And I just thought it was a really interesting topic and I really enjoyed talking about it. And um, I did a little looking into it and seeing if there was any, any new studies. And it turns out there is, there's a psychiatry researcher at the University of Cambridge named Balan Jalal. And in his new study, um, he uh, looked at a hundred college students in Cairo looking for a correlation between stress, anxiety, and depression and experiencing sleep paralysis. Oh, wow. And when we were talking about it, there wasn't necessarily a common factor that we were able to determine. And we, from the mail that we got, it was all kinds of different people that were experiencing these symptoms, which again, not to rehash the episode too much, a lot of times included seeing, um, shadowy figures out of the periphery of your eyes, of your sight in your bedroom or experiencing a presence that comes upon you and presses down on your on your chest and you know sort of sucks the breath from you mm-hmm. and uh, in this study which he conducted in Cairo Egypt with college students um, about 71 percent of the population that experiences sleep paralysis actually blame it on uh, supernatural forces and half of that 71 percent believe them to be caused by jinn which are um, to my understanding been you know, evil demonic forces uh, that have roots in Islamic mythology. Is that is that accurate? Right. Uh, so this is this is an interesting topic, too. I, I thought about this as well. So I've had long had a fascination with the theory of jinn, which, while it's often treated as folklore in the West, in many areas in the Middle East or in Islamic culture, it is treated as a genuine phenomenon. The, the idea that Allah, which we've talked about on the show, the idea that Allah uh, made angels, humans, and then the third and sapient species, the jinn, out of a smokeless fire. Not necessarily, not necessarily evil creatures, depending upon the culture or the context, um, but in many ways filling in the role of what, um, Christians or the West would recognize as demons um the most popular jinn in western culture is of course robin williams as the genie in aladdin uh based incredibly loosely on several poor translations of a thousand and one arabian nights so i'd imagine maybe there are benevolent jinn and then there are evil jinn right yeah and there are different classes of jinn just like because they would have a they would have or do have according to the believers a society um, that has the same uh, a, a hierarchical nature, you know. So uh, that was the perception of mm-hmm. this, uh, you know, the population that was um, part of this study. Mm-hmm. But uh, as it turns out, that out of those who experienced sleep paralysis, um, and especially the ones who actually hallucinated, like some of these more intense visuals and uh, concerning shadow people and creatures, mm-hmm. um, you know, invading their their space, he actually found that these people were more likely to have suffered from uh, PTSD, mm. anxiety, or chronic uh, worry. Ah, I see. Okay, so the the mental state affects that as well. You know, we, um, we had an interesting talk off air about something just tangentially related to this. Uh, actually, 
uh, can I use this one instead of one of my three? Because this tangent is interesting enough. I think we should chase it. Of course. All right. So we've talked before in the past about the most fascinating and beautiful in some ways uh, phenomenon of mind and matter, mind over matter proven to exist. And it began when it began, I think, when Scott and Matt and I, for various reasons, were looking into a driving test that all the cabbies in London used to have to take. The the knowledge? Yeah, you remember it. And the thing about the knowledge is that it's incredibly difficult, even in the age of GPS and all these drivers must memorize not only landmarks and routes and back routes, but alternate routes. Uh, and the amount of spatial memory that they have to dedicate to this uh, is, you know, is enormous. But what some studies have found is that longtime black cab drivers or the really expensive classy cabs for everyone outside of London, uh, those those drivers have the area of their brain that is dedicated to spatial memory is physically larger an average because they have spent so much time dwelling on this, it has increased the growth and the density of their brain in that area. And furthermore, we find the same thing with, I am going somewhere with this guys. I promise we find the same thing with areas of the brain dedicated to empathy or what we recognize as compassion in longtime meditators, longtime Buddhist monks. I don't mean just your casual I'm not napping, I'm meditating mm. person. I mean, you know, people who dedicate their lives to it every day, the same way that cab drivers are out driving these weird routes every day. So this sounds hunky-dory and friendly when we contemplate that good thoughts can physiologically change the nature of your brain or even the size of certain um, areas of your brain. So it makes me think, Noel, to this study, what happens to your brain if you spend every day worrying, you know, or you spend mm. every day angry or plotting revenge, is there a dark side equivalent to this? Not to be too Star Wars, but can you think yourself Sith? <laughs> That's crazy. I sure. love that. It's almost like the shadow people are manifestations of these worries that are creeping out of your subconscious and into your sort of half waking life you know mm-hmm. i mean i think that's i i I'm, I'm into this this idea is there a snowball effect is there a positive feedback loop does uh increase in ptsd equal an increase in sleep paralysis equal an increase in anxiety equal an increase in ptsd and so on until your brain grows three sizes too large <laughs> <laughs> you guys should see the magic the gathering section of my brain it's crazy oh man Terrified. Huge. The the last thing though, there was uh, referenced in this this previous study that I mentioned an additional study, um, and it involved um, looking at Cambodian refugees mm. attending a psychiatric clinic, and forty nine of a hundred had at least one episode of sleep paralysis in the previous twelve months, um, and among the PTSD patients, sixty five percent had monthly episodes of sleep paralysis versus fourteen point eight among non PTSD patients. So I mean, it's just interesting to see this correlation, and uh, it. it it's something that I can kind of wrap my head around, you know, because I've never experienced that. I believe you said you've never experienced that yeah. kind of sleep paralysis, Matt. That's true. Ben, you haven't either, I don't believe. 
Uh, he Ben, we're not sure. We're not sure. I don't really have a comment. That's fair. Is that okay? That's fair. All right. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, the mind sort of strives to explain away these kinds of things, and um, I think this is a pretty good place to look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a, another great topic to discuss with your family because I would just say the number of responses, like you said, we've gotten are large, very large comparatively. So perhaps someone at the dinner table will have a story. I would not be surprised one bit. Mm -hmm. So what next, Matt? The next thing I think you can discuss is a cool topic that is a bit cavernous, but I think you can get through it and it comes up. There are really cool little uh, smaller discussions that you can have on the side. And that is the idea of the deep web or the dark net. And it's really cool, especially if you can kind of – Maybe talk to older people in your family about this kind of technology and explain to them, give them some visualizations about what it looks like. I think, Ben, you used really good iceberg analogy when we were talking about the the deep web and all the unindexed stuff on the Internet that exists and then comparing that to the darker sides Mm -hmm. of uh, some of the places you can access with the Onion Router and Tor or or both, which is the same thing. And in my experience, it's something that a lot of people just don't, know anything about. Oh, and yeah. Even just to have like a basic discussion of what this is, I think is fascinating that it exists and all the litigation surrounding it with the whole Dread Pirate Roberts thing and all that. Yeah. And it's a bonus that you can seem really smart and impress <laughs> <laughs> your people. Um, if you missed our conversation with Alex Winter, who made a documentary called The Deep Web, definitely would I would recommend going and checking that out. We made also some made videos. a cool little movie called... Uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I, I heard something about that. I, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, this, so one, <laughs> this one is, he's made a couple of very cool documentaries, and we had a chance to talk to him. It was, I would say, the coolest thing that I did this year. Well, there, there are a couple of really cool things. It's one of the coolest things he was sharp. I got to yeah, do. Really, really, really good interview. Mm-hmm. Definitely check that one out. Put that on the playlist for sure. The Deep Web story that I always think of, because it's kind of funny, um, is it also pertains to something else that's really interesting, which is just, um, you know, who's responsible for um, artificial intelligence? Is it the person that created it? Is the person that programmed it? Or once that thing makes a choice, is are all bets off? Um, there was a, a Swiss art collective called Median Group of Bitnik, uh, which was a group of uh, artists, from, from, I guess um, you could call them kind of conceptual artists, that designed a robot uh, art installation that they programmed to – they didn't tell it what to buy, but they gave it a budget of $100 in bitcoins each week, and the robot randomly chose items off of a uh, a service on the dark net called AlphaBay, and it actually ended up buying some drugs. I believe it was ecstasy. Didn't it ship it to the installation? Wasn't that the the thing? Maybe maybe that was something else. Well, I, I think it was part of the installation was the, the were, were the items themselves, I believe, because they were confiscated at the end of the day when this thing was shut down. But it sort of opened up this discussion of, you know, who's responsible? Is it the, you know, the creator or the consciousness, so-called mm-hmm. consciousness of the, uh, of the bot? Um, so, I don't know. Do you remember that story, Ben? I do, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's a fascinating one because it also intersects with the future of consciousness and I think you raise, I think you got to the heart of the question there, Noel uh, philosophically, to whom is the punishment meted? You know, Uh, one last thing I'll add here, uh, without going too far into it, is uh, the big question about the dark net for most people 
is, uh, does it actually work? Can you honestly be anonymous? And unless you are very, very talented and at least moderately lucky, the answer is absolutely not. The answer is very close to the Abraham Lincoln quotation about fooling some of the people some of the time. If you are routinely, aggressively, proactively using something, depending on the type of stuff you're doing, especially if you're uploading something, then your chances of getting caught um, rise stratospherically over time. And the reason this happens is because there is a pernicious uh, and dogged and unending um, campaign on the behalf of not just our government, but other governments to remove anonymity from the Internet under the guise of the great boogeyman, national security. This is this reflects my opinion, maybe not necessarily the opinion of my co-host nor the opinion of uh, our company at large. But this to me, uh, it reflects the facts on the ground in the most fair way I can put them. We did a great episode uh, with Jonathan Strickland, um, maybe in 2014 about or 2015, I can't remember which, about just how difficult it is to truly be anonymous on the Internet. We're talking about wearing a physical disguise, walking into a library in a different state without bringing your phone once, using an assumed identity, and then never going back or being that fake person again. It is difficult. And, you know, I I feel for a lot of the people who are maybe a little bit more secure and have a little bit more faith in their abilities to be anonymous than they should be. Just stay safe out there, guys. It makes me think of um, when you talk about, you know, how how difficult it's becoming to be anonymous on the Internet. There's a great book by Dave Eggers called The Circle, and it's actually being made into a movie uh, or it's a, they're working on it. Um, it's being developed. And the crux of it is there's this Facebook meets Google esque giant conglomerate that basically owns the Internet. And they come up with this concept um in order to sign on to this service, this Facebook-esque service that ultimately becomes the Internet in this book, um, you have to be yourself. That's the only way to be a part of it. You can't have an alias. You have to have your one account that is tied to your identity, and everyone knows it's you. And ideally, it means no more trolls. It means no yeah. more mean comments on YouTube. It means all of these great things, theoretically, but the way it plays out in the book not necessarily so great. I can imagine yeah. a supervillain being born from that so that everyone knows their infamy. Yeah. Not only that, there's a thing in the in the book as it develops, and I don't want to spoil anything, but this is very, very early on, where they develop these cameras that, that people just start wearing everywhere, and they can place them everywhere. They can place them in uh, different locations um, across the world so that if there's any kind of social unrest or any kind of injustices being done, it's constantly being broadcast. Again, on the surface, sounds like a great idea, but it means more than that. It means that everything is just static, you know, like nothing can change kind of. I don't know. It's it's a very interesting book. I recommend it highly. I love that cool, idea. Oh, yeah. Do you have a copy I could borrow? I actually <laughs> did it on audiobook, but um, it'd be a good good late Christmas present. I really recommend it. Like I said, you know, read the book before the movie comes out. Then you can t- I, I talk about the book at uh, Family Christmas. And then when the movie comes out next year, mm. everyone will be like, hey, Little Johnny was talking about this book last year. How prescient Little Johnny has become. Indeed. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? 
you're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Last little bit I want to add into this discussion that you might have is the statement by Hillary Clinton recently about a Manhattan Project for uh, encryption and basically breaking it or wanting to break it and having an initiative to do so. Uh, I didn't hear this. The Internet, the Internets, just like when CISPA was coming through and uh, PIPA and all that stuff, they are responding, uh, at least anyone who's interested in encryption and keeping information safe. They are responding uh, with great vitriol to this. So if you uh, are interested in that, just do a Google search for Manhattan Project uh, and literally you will get all the news. It's it's pretty insane. And last thing, if we're talking about late Christmas presents, which I don't know why I keep doing, but I guess I've been getting some good gifts this year. Um, have, have you heard of the comic series The Manhattan Projects? This sounds familiar Manhattan but I don't, now. but I don't, I've never read it. I'll just give you the, the, the basic premise is that Robert Oppenheimer, who created the atomic bomb, actually had a evil twin, um, who 
lived completely separately. They were separated at birth, but they grew up completely, completely separate environments. Whereas the real Robert, Robert Oppenheimer, you know, was educated and became a very well respected researcher, a scientist. His brother ended up on the streets and, you know, in different, um, psychiatric facilities, et cetera, but they had the same intellect. And, uh, the, the very first scene in the book is basically the real Robert Oppenheimer si- signing on for the Manhattan projects and then his brother showing up and murdering him. And taking his place. And it's also set like in this kind of dystopian, weird sort of future past kind of scenario where like not like steampunk, but kind of like, you know, it it definitely feels like the time period that it's supposed to. But there are like aliens and there's weird technology and things are just a little off. It's sort of this alternate reality, alternate history kind of thing. Um, And it's ongoing and it's in trade paperback. So that's a that's a really cool book. Um, I'm not nearly in it enough as I should be as much as I should be. But uh I recommend giving that a look for sure. Writing it down, Noel. Sounds awesome. Well, should we move on to another topic? Yeah, what do you have? Oh, well, I don't know. Um, I guess I'm going to call this the Ballad of Martin Screlly because I don't know. <laughs> I, it's such schadenfreude, you know, but I just, at the end of the day, it's it's entertaining to me. And it, it pointed out some really big uh Big issues with the whole big pharma, um, machine. And, uh, this originally kind of came up right around the time, um, we did an episode on the big pharma mm-hmm. and, um, just how a lot of the uh, machinations in that business model, you know, are a little bit inherently shady and, but they're not, not necessarily, um, out in the open. And you have this kid, Martin Screlly, who essentially broadcasts everything that's wrong with his industry in the most, you know, millennial oversharing kind of way, you know, just tweeting out all of these like responses to his critics. And if you guys don't know, Martin Screlly, um, is this, I believe he's 30, 32 years old, um, guy who has, you know, done very well for himself managing pharmaceutical companies and doing these startup pharmaceutical companies. And he made the news, uh, several months back when he raised the price of a, uh, a very old drug that he had bought called Daraprim that's used to treat toxoplasmosis, which um, is, a, is a condition that um, is very common in general population. Especially in France. Especially actually. in France. And well, people that, a lot of people, it comes from cats is, is one thing that I right. always hear. And it's very, can go unnoticed, undetected in people that are healthy otherwise, but in cancer patients that are receiving mm-hmm. chemo and have lowered immune systems and um, AIDS, HIV mm-hmm. patients, um, this can be debilitating. It can totally destroy their immune system and may shut I, them down. May I interject just briefly? I don't want to, I don't want to talk too much in, um, in this, in this show because God knows I talk a lot, but in toxic, we did an episode about toxoplasmosis regarding the nature of the infection, because there's compelling evidence that it actually changes people's personalities uh, in terms of accelerating some forms of mental illness, such as schizophrenia or paranoia, and it affects genders differently. Hmm. So uh, this is this is something that uh, is something that I know there are a lot of stereotypes about France, but this is something that baffles a lot of people to to. Noel's earlier point, ladies and gentlemen, toxoplasmosis is not generally a lifelong infection, nor is it generally lethal, but it can change your behavior. So if you ever notice that your friend with a lot of cats is getting to be a little bit of a shut-in or even a little bit promiscuous, take care. And uh, blame Martin Screlly because it's going to be much more expensive for that person to get well. It's true. And so... um Going back, that's that's interesting stuff for sure. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I, just, I have images now of of 
the crazy cat lady who's just very flirty, like overly flirty, but also just covered in cat hair. Well, and they say too that like if you have it, then cats are more attracted to you. I think we talked about this, Ben. Is that, I think that's true. Anyway though, um, so this drug Daraprim has actually been around since 1953 and uh, up until now it's been believed to be the best treatment for this particular parasite. And, um, so Martin Screlly and his company Turing Pharmaceuticals, which he founded, um, as, I guess I'm gonna use the term pharmaceutical startup, which to me is counterintuitive. Like it just kind of is like, seems like you should, shouldn't be able to just start a pharmaceutical company overnight like you would an app or something like that. But that's just me. So Screlly, uh, purchased the rights to this particular drug and for his company and overnight raised the cost of it more than 55 fold and um i believe it was something like uh $700 a pill from like $50 a pill something so insane effect. yeah and so there was this huge outcry overnight he became you know what folks are calling the most hated man alive you know and the internet uh responded as they do with you know pitchforks and uh torches uh mm-hmm. in the form of hateful twitter rants much deserved and um Screlly just kind of doubled down and responded directly and just was like quoting rap lyrics and at his uh, detractors and just didn't do himself any favors and just kept doubling down. That's the thing about the story that I find so fascinating is it's like you're seeing all this in real time. These things that the pharmaceutical industries don't want you to know about. This guy, this kid is just like spilling the beans on all of this excess. I'm not saying that everyone's like this. They, you know, there was a big pharmaceutical group that ejected him. The Pharmaceutical Researchers and Manufacturers of America, which is a a large consortium of different um, pharmaceutical companies, just uh, completely threw him under the bus in terms of of you know saying that this is not our philosophy this guy is completely counter to the way we do business and while that's a you know probably a smart PR move i'm i'm sure it's not entirely true i mean there's definitely some underhanded dealings that go on in any kind of business and uh, i would imagine in the pharmaceutical business especially because price gouging has been a concern politically for a long time and it's something that we still see this to me though is just such a brazen example of this just in the public eye someone that has zero filter and uh, the story gets weirder doesn't it yeah the the, the whole uh, live streaming thing really I don't know. Yeah. Maybe go, go yeah, into that. Yeah, well, no, but, but even before that, so, you know, so he did this thing with the drug and there was just a public outcry. He went on talk shows and basically said, you know, hey, I make money. That's, that's what I do. That's my job. You can't hold it against me that I'm, um, charging what this particular drug is worth. You know, it's been under, uh, you know, it's been undervalued for this long. And now based on, you know, these calculations that me and my people have done, we've decided that it is in fact worth this. And it is, it is a, you know, an equitable cost for this treatment and you know how many based on how many people it affects etc so then he after i mean bernie sanders was tweeting at him hillary clinton you know everyone just totally throwing this guy under the bus he comes back and says you know what after some serious consideration i've decided that we're going to lower the cost um but he doesn't mm-hmm. say how much doesn't say when and then basically he changes his mind again and says you know what psych 
and completely lets it go. Not even basically. That's, that's yeah, exactly yeah, what he did. did. Yeah. So then this is the part where it gets real weird. Um, this guy has a kind of easy sort of a music freak. He's really into collecting music memorabilia. Uh, apparently he has, uh, one of Kurt Cobain's credit cards that he whips out at fancy cocktail parties to impress his friends, you know, weird, right? So, um, he, there was, uh, you guys out there may be aware that the, the Wu-Tang Clan, a really popular, um, hip hop outfit that's been around since the you know, late 80s, early 90s, very, very important group. A lot of people went on from that to have very successful solo careers, Old Dirty Bastard, um, The Method Man, etc. And the head of the group, the RZA, um, does a lot of music for movies, Jim Jarmusch movies, and, um, did a lot of the music for the Tarantino films, the Kill Bill series. Um, so they, I don't understand why. Why? But their newest record, they decided they were going to make one insanely, uh, what's the word, Ben? Bespoke version. <laughs> of, yeah, just just like completely like gold, you know, filigreed, leather bound tome, you know, with like parchment paper with the liner notes. And this, you see it. It's, it's quite beautiful. But they they didn't exactly put a price on it, but they were going to auction it off to the highest bidder. Mm-hmm. And uh, the story dropped that it had sold because people were kind of making fun of this. They were like, who's, who's going to pay a million dollars for a Wu-Tang record? And then all of a sudden it sold. And there was actually a lot of speculation for a while in the internet that it was in fact Quentin Tarantino because mm-hmm. he's a huge fan, has worked with RZA, etc. Uh, nope. Surprise! It's our boy Martin Screlly. Yeah, what a freaking turn. I can't believe that that's who bought it. It was absurd. It was like this guy had already just been in the news, just like becoming this this hilarious like supervillain and now he's going to take the Wu-Tang Clan record for himself. So, and, yeah. yeah, so maybe he's, he's riding high even though uh, RZA clearly despises him. And, uh, they have a public feud on Twitter. He still has, uh, an album that many hip hop fans would likely covet. And, uh, it doesn't end there though. It continues. It does continue, but just uh, there were some quotes uh, in this article where it talks where he kind of responds to his feud with RZA. And I, I read this and I'm like, this kid, is this real? Who said, who would say these things? And yes, it's real. Quote, I bought the album. There's a big bleeping check in RZA and album producer, uh, Clivering's pocket now. Um, and he says, this Wu-Tang Clan thing is starting to get pretty tense. You probably see that increasingly I'm getting pretty frustrated by it. I bought the most expensive album in the history of mankind and bleeping RZA is talking bleep behind my back and online in plain sight. I'm just getting pissed off. That's not the way I do business. If I hand you $2 million bleeping, show me some respect. At least have the decency to say nothing or no comment. L-A-S-I-K LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. 
We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, Podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424 to talk to an expert snagajob.com where america goes to hire and that's not the end either is it that is not the end there's a there is a happy ending i would say although we don't really know how happy that ending is going to be so last week on december 17th the internet rejoiced when martin screlly was uh taken away from his manhattan apartment wearing a gray hoodie in handcuffs by the FBI for supposedly, allegedly defrauding his investors uh, at the company that he had run prior to Turing called uh, Retrofin. And supposedly he had made some um, investments on behalf of uh, some folks and they did not work out. And so he was basically funneling money through the company, allegedly, in order to um, put money back where he had taken it. You know, and to kind of mm-hmm. make sure the investors were happy temporarily. But it was all just kind of like a, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul kind of situation. Yep. You know, scheme. Ponzi scheme. Security exactly. fraud, wire exactly. fraud. Exactly. Um, he bailed himself out for $5 million. And um, now he's, you know, awaiting uh, awaiting trial. And he basically has come out and said that all of this high-profile, horrible behavior on his part was just a, a social experiment just to kind of see – you know, how people would react. Uh, it was a prank, bro. Uh, yeah, I can, I can see him ending up in South America somewhere. Uh, I mean, if you have $2 million to spend on an album, you probably have the means to get a fake passport or even maybe a legitimate looking and perhaps actual passport. Yeah. And the, the final, uh, blip in the story thus far is actually, um, there at the end, right before he got busted. Oh, and also there's a wonderful, you can find this online. He live streamed several days of his life. Um, and a lot of it is him playing Xbox, uh, playing guitar, chatting with, um, 
high school seniors from his previous, from the place he went to high school in New York, um, getting asked to the prom and, you know, saying he would uh, give references to Columbia University for these uh, particular students, things like that. Um, really classy stuff. Um, he, the, the latest story is that he was fired as the CEO of another company called Calo Bios Pharmaceuticals that he acquired relatively recently um, and did some pretty interesting financial gymnastics in order to inflate the price and um, a lot of investors who were doing a short sale. Right, yeah. Uh, the definition would be the sale of a security that you don't own or that you have borrowed. And so your idea, the motivation for that is uh, you're making a bet that the price of the security is going to go down. So you can you can borrow it, sell it, It'll go down to a lower price and you make a profit. So you can do it as speculation or to hedge the downside risk of a, of a long game. Right. Same security. So what actually happened was this particular company was about to go under and Screlly, uh, and his, you know, uh, investors at Turing, to my understanding, scooped it up and completely screwed that short sale. So wow. there were investors that were betting that it was going to go down. And in fact, the price of the stock rose wow. and continued yeah. to rise. And so I was reading an article where a guy was talking about how he, it was actually a message board that I found um, where this guy was talking about how he uh, now all of a sudden owed E-Trade $200,000 just overnight because of this bet did not work out in his yeah. favor. And it's because of, you know, this, relatively shady transaction that Mr. Screlly participated in. Yeah. Well, good for the company, though, right? I, maybe. The people who work there. Yeah, I well, guess so. Don't, sure. let, don't let me uh, interject too much here, but what maybe it's better, listeners, um, I know a lot of people, me myself included, will tune out when, when we hear this abstract, sort of removed uh, financial talk. So let's root it in a physical object. Uh, the three of us are... Uh, guys, could you pick like just an object of some sort of worth? Rubik's cube. Okay, so a Rubik's cube. So here's how short selling works. So Noel has a Rubik's cube. Matt does not, but Matt wants to make a little money. He wants to get a. He wants to have a hustle, right? But he uh, checks. He checks where he lives and where he works, and it's Wall Street. So he can't just go out and sell bootleg DVDs. Instead, what he does is he borrows a Rubik's Cube from Noel. And the Rubik's Cube, at the time he borrows it, is worth, let's say, $30. And he sells this Rubik's Cube to someone else, which unfortunately would be me in the equation. I'm the one getting swindled here. Um, and I buy it for $30. But then the price of not just that Rubik's Cube, but every Rubik's Cube in the world or in town or wherever uh, Rubik's Cubes are held, drops to $15 or even just 25 and you're still making money. And so what Matt does then is buys another Rubik's cube or buys the same Rubik's cube back mm -hmm. from me. If I'm completely getting screwed and uh, then returns your Rubik's cube, no harm done, but he's got 15 extra dollars. That's how it works. And I, I, I and I hope that's not um, overthinking it, but it takes, it, it's difficult at times to understand just the abstract terms getting thrown around right. without being in a physical object. So and the great thing is, not in this it's not illegal. Oh, yes. Right. And I, I didn't mean to imply that what he did was illegal, but it's just kind of, um, it's the kind of thing that people, you know, suffer for. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. Again, another, these are great things to discuss at the dinner table or afterwards. I think so too. And I mean, this one, it's, there's a lot of humor in this story to me. I think it's, you know, and it it certainly could be something that if you got a hardcore capitalist uncle, you know, is going to be like, well, that's how it's supposed to be. You know, this kid did, did absolutely nothing wrong. He's totally in the right, in the clear. But see, I think someone who's taking that perspective is going to just not like this guy. Because exactly. he's a young kid. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the funny thing. And I was talking with our coworker Casey about this story. Um, he's been following it too, you know, and, uh, in a similar, with a similar kind of schadenfreude kind of attitude as me because this kid, he's just got the most punchable face. You know, it's just, you just want, you want to see him go down because he's just so cocky. He just, I mean, and brazenly just unapologetic about this stuff. Um, Casey was like, you know what? I bet that, you know, it, you know, he, he did all this stuff that is technically legal. Only now is he getting led away in cuffs because, you know, he took some money from some rich folks on Wall Street, supposedly. Yeah. And that's what it takes. But yeah, why? The, uh, why now? Made off. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But why now? Because he's running his mouth too much. You know, he's spilling the beans too much. You know, people don't want this this out in the open on Twitter like this, like put him away, at least scare him, get him to shut up. Like you said, maybe he just goes away. Maybe he ends up in, uh, you know, the Cayman Islands somewhere, you yeah, know, to be, um, to be completely objective. It is true that this investigation was ongoing before, of course, beforehand, but yeah, I admit timing's interesting. All right. Now, uh, you know, it's winded down. You guys are, Everybody's getting a little tired. Everybody's getting, full up. Getting food. itis. Getting know? some itis. That's mm-hmm. right. Now let's get heavy with it. But not the way you might be thinking. Let's talk about hallucinogens with the family. This is a cool topic that you can bring up from a clinical, a scientific uh, angle, I guess. You can discuss the things that we talked about with using hallucinogens more recently as treatments. For things such as PTSD, such as depression, and a couple other uh, things. Addiction. 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 We talked specifically about addiction. So check out our episodes on this. I think it will be a great thing to discuss because there is somebody in your family who went to Woodstock. There's there's probably somebody who maybe was a bit of a hippie in your family back in the day. Uh, Maybe there was somebody that was working in the labs in Berkeley. Who knows, man? Maybe one of your cousins is on acid right now. That's true. Maybe you are on mushrooms. Who knows? Probably not. Hopefully not. But it, I, this is a cool subject to discuss kind of the way we were talking about with the dreams, just the nature of consciousness, things, big questions that people a lot of times have cool opinions about. And you might not know that you're let's say aunt or maybe even your mom, your parents have opinions about this that will blow your mind. Uh, I would highly recommend it because they're also, I don't know the way drugs are being treated in our country in particular, particular in the U S and in a couple other countries are really, it's changing. And because the way our country in particular and several other countries throughout the world, the way we view drugs of the, of this sort, hallucinogens, is really changing. And I think we're, again, maybe seeing the possible benefits uh, as opposed to just demonizing them the way we did in the 70s and then ongoing from there. Well, not only that, I mean, as a 
society, um, little by little, it's not a quick process, but we are, you know, having more discussion of things like drug courts and then treatment for addiction rather than just demonizing addicts as criminals. And, you know, these things go hand in hand. I don't know if necessarily we're going to be in a world where, uh, you know, heroin addicts are being treated with LSD, but, it's an interesting conversation to have. Sure. They're definitely not in the same class. You know, like we're talking about uh, something that opens up pathways, you know, in your mind and lets you experience things in a different way versus something that literally ravages your body and makes you dependent in a way that um, precludes you from doing pretty much anything else. And that's what you seek at all times. So, I mean, I just think it's interesting that we um, are getting to a place where these conversations are more socially acceptable. And Mm -hmm. so why not try it out? out at the Christmas dinner Test table. the waters if you're brave. All hallucinogens are not created equally. There are several that are not just known but expected to uh, impart a non-enjoyable experience, something much more close to uh, the revelatory act of waking up as Keanu Reeves in The Matrix, or excuse me, Neo. I think he was supposed to be acting in that show. And uh, pulling the tube out of your mouth and realizing you're a pod in a giant machine world. Uh, in this this kind of revelation, these would be things like ayahuasca um, and ibogaine, I think, or ibogaine, which I may be mispronouncing, which uh, is apparently a surefire quit smoking aid, as with other addiction, as you guys mentioned. So there's a big difference between the recreational stuff and then the spiritual awakening stuff. And you know what, though, if, um, as Matt said, uh, if your if your relatives have already had experience with it, they'll know. They'll know. I don't know if this is necessarily the best uh, dinner table discussion, but I did feel like I should mention it because when we did the episode um, a few weeks ago on crisis actors, I think I was probably the most taken aback in the room by it. Um, you know, I uh, just find it a little bit difficult to wrap my head around how anyone could honestly believe some of these theories. The idea that, you know, the Sandy Hook shooting, for example, was staged in its entirety that, you know, um, I just don't understand how you can look at, um, you know, the fact that children, you know, were killed, families were torn apart, lives were ruined and say that this didn't actually take place. And I believe in the episode I likened it to, you know, Holocaust denial. Um, uh, but in the news, there was a Florida professor who was actually hired to uh, teach a class at Florida Atlantic University on conspiracy theories. James Tracy. James Tracy. We mentioned um, him in you, the video uh, and I think on here, perhaps on audio. Okay. I don't recall that. I'm yeah, sorry. No, at the time he was a uh, professor for Florida Pacific University. Well, as it turns out, he was canned um, just completely because he was making some of these statements and, you know, um, actually um, bordering on harassment of the parents of a six-year-old child who was killed in the shooting. And the statement that um, the university released is as follows. Uh, Today, James Tracy, an associate professor in the School of Communication and Multimedia Studies, was served a notice of proposed discipline termination by the vice provost for academic affairs at Florida Atlantic University. And at the time, which was uh, Saturday, um, 
today being Tuesday, December 22nd. This happened on the 19th. Um, he's had 10 days to respond from that time. This actually came after the boy's parents, um, Lenny and Veronique Posner, uh, wrote an op-ed in a, a local newspaper, the Sun Sentinel of Brownard County, Florida. And they basically said that Tracy had led a group of people, um, in, you know, encouraging them to harass these parents, uh, about their part that they supposedly played in this, you know, charade and, um, you know, to promote his conspiracy theories that the, um, the event was staged and they quote, they seek us out and accuse us of being government agents who are faking our grief and lying about our loss. So, that's rough. It's rough. And that sort of mirrors the, uh, my perspective on the whole thing when we were doing the episode, how I, you know, kind of felt a little taken aback by the whole concept. So, you know, interesting to see that development. And you're one of the nicest people I know. So for you to be a little bit taken aback to me, it's the equivalent of someone else being profoundly offended. You know, uh, we also received a number of tweets and emails. Regarding crisis actors, I don't know if you checked out the YouTube comments, but it is a very, very um, um, emotionally charged uh, subject. Sure. And on both sides, I imagine. Yeah. And, you know, I really I want to speak directly to you, audience. Uh, I, and I can't speak for anyone else, of course, but I personally uh, immensely appreciate uh, the feedback from the folks who uh thought that we did a good job trying to address this topic because we don't, we don't like to suppress anything. It's not the nature of this show. So we like to address everything to the utmost of our ability, which means critical thinking, which means looking at both sides of something and seeing what, if any evidence exists on either one. We try to handle that respectfully. And uh, I can say that I don't always get it right. But uh, well, luckily enough, we have we have you guys out there keeping us honest. All right. Well, guys, unfortunately, it looks like it's also almost our, our time. Noel, do we have any sad end of the year music or any like bittersweet? Like it, it's going to be OK kind of music? Sure. Yeah. Nope, I don't like this. Turn this off. All right. All right. How about this? Better. Yeah. Getting there. Yeah, uh, maybe third time's true. Okay. Yep. Oh, that's it. Yep. Oh, man, I have maybe three feelings a year, and I think this is one of them. So recently, uh, CISPA, it's all but passed, uh, which is an internet surveillance bill which removes uh, the protections that theoretically or nominally exist between uh, your personal information is known by a private corporation and is known by multiple governments. So another thing that happened recently while we were all Twitter pated over Star Wars is that Zimbabwe moved to make the Chinese yuan a legal currency. Beijing canceled in return all of their debts. This edges the yuan a little bit closer to being an international currency uh, capable of combating the petrodollar. So stay tuned your gas pumps. The petrodollar is one that I wanted to bring up, but I thought it, I wasn't sure if it would be too much to discuss, but it, I feel like that's a great way to get in some of the larger ideas or the, let's say the more, uh, some of the more specific conspiracy theories. I think the petrodollar really brings things together 
as a way to discuss mm-hmm. smaller things. Yeah, maybe I messed up because I, I was thinking of things for um, the listener in 2016. It's It may be entirely possible that you say uh, Zimbabwe has a new has started using China's currency and you know, I don't know if people at your holiday party will care, but well, it would be yeah. cool if they did because I, I think it's important world news. Well, I mean, that's know, really great. I mean, at this point, I would say the holiday meal is done. Everyone's comatose on the couch. You know, we're thinking about New Year's. Let's think. Let's give us some more. What, what are some things to be thinking about moving into 2016? What are the stories that the see you're seeing the seeds of now that are going to really take off? Sure. Well, of course, you if you listen to the show, you're probably familiar with the various conspiracy theories regarding uh, Donald Trump, which I talked about a little bit on Periscope, and regarding Bernie Sanders, which, Noel, I believe you touched on in an earlier audio podcast, and both have some intriguing points to them. Uh, stay tuned to that if you are... Um, invest in U.S. elections, you may also uh, you may also wonder about how the situation in the Middle East will work out. Will they reach detente? Um, at this point, and how ironic, because I was working on an episode about prophecy and I got the release date wrong, so I, I think I'm going to stay away from predictions, actually. Um, I, no one really has a crystal ball in the Middle East, uh, we do have some interesting stuff coming up about predicting the future, about Gnosticism. Several of these are in the new year. Let's see what else we might touch on, the nature of artificial intelligence or uh, even magic. And we have a, um, well, I guess I'll let you in on the secret. We have a long list of topics suggested both by you, uh, by sources that we know outside of the show, and things that we have found in our individual ramblings through uh, the the dark alleys of the Internet and uh, the places we travel. So we have a lot more in store for you on the way. I'd like to pass the mic to you guys. Do you have any uh, year-end statements to our listeners before we bid them adieu? Oh, I just want to thank you guys for having me on the show. Um, it's been a lot of fun and I look forward to, uh, doing it into the new year. It's been cool passing from, you know, the, the mixing desk into the booth. So I've been really, really appreciative of the opportunity and, uh, I hope everyone's been enjoying, enjoying it. We love having you. It, it's fantastic to have a third person in here just to throw things off of. And you're really, you're, uh, you absorb what we talk about in here really well and then. You have ideas and throw them back out. So good work. All right. I'm sorry. I'm not going to pat your back too much, but you're, you're awesome, Noel. I think our people agree. Yeah. I mean, Noel, it's no secret that we are not just work friends. We're friends, friends. We hang out mm-hmm. and do stuff and laugh at each other's jokes and whatnot. It's true. Uh, also, you know, w- even if that were the case, even if you were my very best friend, uh, even if you had saved my life in a, shark attack or a car crash or a lottery deal gone wrong or a shark crash or, oh, or a shark crash. Mm-hmm. Even if that happened, you wouldn't be on here if you weren't good at what you do. Well, you know, I feel the same way and it's a lot of fun just chatting with you guys. And I think it's been fun just taking some of the cool conversations that Ben, you and I and Matt and you and I as well. And all three of us in, in at work and outside of work have and, Kind of do it, uh, do it on the show. So it's, I appreciate it and, um, looking forward to next year. Heck yeah. We're, we're getting, uh, I love this. 
We need to do this again. Let's have a drunk podcast next year. Yes. Yes. We'll clear it. We'll clear Perhaps. it with the higher no. ups. No. No. <laughs> we'll just do it. Uh, I'd like to, I'd like to add briefly. I know, uh, the podcast is going on too long at the moment, so I'll, ma- I'll make it short. But, uh, you, yes, you, you specifically listening to this are the reason this show exists in the first place. And we have been close so many times to this, uh, this thing not continuing. It has been endangered. It has been vulnerable. All those other words people use for animals, uh, dwindling, right? Uh, it has, uh, it has been in danger of cancellation. We have been in danger many times of being fired. However, somehow we made it and all of our best ideas as ever come from you. Yes, you specifically. So. We'd like to hear them. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Conspiracy Stuff. We are uh, all over that place. You can also go to our website. And that is StuffTheyDon'tWantYouToKnow.com. And that's where you can find blog posts, podcasts, every podcast that we've ever done, every video that you guys have ever done, um, and more. You can check out periscope.tv slash conspiracy stuff, which is where, uh, Mr. Bolin normally does our stuff. We got some guests who go on there. Got a dude named Steve who chills with Ben sometimes. I've hung out with Steve and Ben before mm-hmm. on Periscope. It was a lot of fun. Oh, and, uh, I just really quickly, I hope you've checked out our The Meeting video episode. That was a whole lot of fun to shoot the other day. I really enjoy being part of it. And I am a little worried that it looked behind the curtain a bit too much, but I think people can, I don't know, they can get over it. No, we're all friends here. And lastly, if you don't want to do any of that stuff, gives you the willies, whatever, write a good old-fashioned email. You can write that too. Conspiracy at HowStuffWorks.com This topic and other unexplained phenomena, visit youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff. You can also get in touch on Twitter at the handle at conspiracy stuff. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.